Coming up, the number one takeaway from my favorite personal development book. And then, what's the job market looking like right now in 2024? What's it going to do? We'll break it down. Let's go. Helping you win in your work life so that you're winning in other areas of your life. I want to help you grow, do, become. This is the Ken Coleman Show. I'm Ken. Okay, so uh, the team brought me this idea, and uh, it's very, very hard for me to pick a favorite. Uh, but this is one of my favorites. So, you know, you got all the titling stuff. I'm not going to say this is my favorite, um, but it's one of my favorites. And uh, I didn't bring it into the studio with me because I'm a bonehead. It's sitting on my desk right now, but it doesn't matter. We can put up the image. But the book is Thinking for a Change by John Maxwell. Now, I had the extreme privilege of working with John Maxwell for years and get to get to be close with him, and, and he's still a friend today. So the book is Thinking for a Change. Thinking for a Change. And, uh, and, and, and I love this book because it is very, very practical and it addresses what I think is a massive problem in our world, and that's this. People are aimless, reactive thinkers. In other words, just like, do, 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 do. that's kind of the soundtrack in their brain. They're aimless and reactive. Our default setting is to act, to live, and to make decisions based on confused and doubtful thoughts. Have you ever made a single good decision from a place of confusion or doubt? And yet when we get into confusion and doubt, we all know, wait a second, this is not a good state of mind for me to be in to make a decision, but what do we do? We still react. Oh, oh, instead of sitting with it. Or even if we have to make a decision, and I know some of you are going, well, what about those times when we have to make the decision and we're feeling those emotions? Again, Knowing how to think, knowing how to process your feelings is going to allow you to make better decisions. So if we want to effectively solve problems or make good plans for the future, we need clarity. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I'll say it over and over and over again. Clarity on any issue, any decision that you have to make, when I get clarity, my confidence rises. Are there times in life where we have to make a decision where we don't have a ton of confidence. Yes. But some confidence, a little confidence, is better than no confidence. Clarity. You know, when you look back at history and you look at boneheaded decisions by business leaders, political leaders, sports leaders, I'm going to tell you something. It all comes down to they didn't have enough clarity in the moment and made a decision they weren't confident in. It wasn't the best decision. So back to this book, Thinking for a Change. If your thinking is right, if your thoughts are right, it's because you were able to get clear and make the right decision. Be thinking in the right way. Can I also tell you this? There's an unbelievable back and forth between emotions and thinking. Emotions and thinking, it's like, Back and forth, back and forth. It's like tug of war. My emotions are completely out of control. My thinking is not good. It's not clear. But if my thinking is is in a clear place, it's because my emotions are in a good place. So managing emotions and handling emotions the right way is a result of thinking the right way. So what does thinking well 
thinking the right way look like? For me, I'm going to give you just a really basic process, um, or, or actually, I'm going to define it in, in how I have learned so much from that book, Thinking from a Change. So this is the big takeaway. I believe that intentional thinking requires a place, and it requires a process. So let me explain the place. So what's a good place for you to think? In other words, what are the characteristics? What what is the environment? What are the circumstances? Okay, let me tell you what I know from science and we know from psychology studies. When we enter into a place of boredom, monotony, and we've taught on this on the show, our brain actually becomes very, very active. The more engaged the brain is and distracted it is and on high alert, doesn't do well. So if I've got to think about any topic in any area of my life, if my brain is busy, I'm not going to get the best thoughts. But if my brain is bored, if my brain is quiet, if my brain is in a place of monotony and methodical, just not really that engaged, guess what happens? The cognitive, creative, analytical ability spikes. So with that being the set, uh, the context, the place. So let me tell you what I've got. I've got a place in my backyard. I've got an awesome patio, covered patio, comfortable furniture, um, a, a, a very nice ashtray, an antique ashtray for me to think along with my quality cigars. Um uh, I've got a television that if I want to watch sports or anything, I can just kind of be back there. Um, It's a quiet place. It's a comfortable place. It's aesthetically pleasing. Everything about it's great. That's one of my places. There's also a pond in my neighborhood with a gigantic, and I mean gigantic, weeping willow tree. And I don't know why, but sitting next to that weeping willow tree provides a lot of shade and I take an Eddie Bauer chair or whatever whatever the chair is, and I will sit out there and I'm surrounded by frogs, birds, geese, ducks, the occasional dog walking by, the sounds of the neighborhood, and I can just sit there and stare at the nature preserve that is essentially right there in my hood. And let me tell you what happens for me. I'm able to calm my brain, and I'm able to think well. So I think you need to find a place. Some of you, it's in the car, driving on long road trips. Some of you think best behind the wheel of a car. You know, if you got something big you got to think about, I would tell you to take a road trip. Some of you think great in the shower. All right, great. Go take a shower. But I, whatever is a whatever the place is that naturally allows your brain to decompress and actually activate in quality thinking, that's where we want to look for, a place, find a place. Secondly, have a process. I took this away too. A place and a process. The process, what is that? Okay, so how do you best come up with good thoughts? 
Is it, is it methodical? Do you just need to feel your way through it, feel and think at the same time? Uh, like, I don't believe in stewing. If I'm doing that, I need to be talking those thoughts out to somebody who has no skin in the game. But I'm talking when it's just me and my thoughts by myself, I want a process. And so I have a process. I'll look at any situation and I'll go, what's right, what's good, what's wrong, what's bad, what's missing and thus frustrating, what's confused and needs more attention. Whatever your process is, come up with a process by which you are sitting quietly, whatever your place is, and we are thinking through. So my process just allows me to come at whatever problem or solution I'm trying to deal with, or maybe it was a personal situation. It allows me to come at it from multiple angles. And what I'm really doing there is getting some good quality thinking. And I'm coming at it from every angle. And I like to write a lot of thoughts down. Some of you record them. Do that. Now, why does this matter? Because when you begin to set aside a place, a time, and create a process for thinking, you are going to be rewarded with some of the best solutions, the best perspectives, the best growth opportunities that you have ever had before. Why? Because you've learned how to think. The title of the book is Thinking for a Change. You want to change your life? You're going to have to think better in order to make the right change. It's a great book. You need to pick it up. That's just one little thing that I took away that has absolutely made me more productive and made me a better person to go along with it. Thinking for a Change by John Maxwell. Great stuff. Learn how to think. You'll learn how to act. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a thousand hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to the Ken Coleman show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman, BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. Hey, if you're enjoying the program, would you help us spread the word? You can do that if you're watching via YouTube by liking the videos. You can subscribe to the channel and share. And if you're listening via your favorite podcast app, you can follow us, give us a five-star review, and share as well. All right, so uh, as we are now off and running into 2024, you know we always are having an eye on the economy for you, what's, what's happening uh, in the world of work. A lot of uh, 
we've had just mixed messaging and and really mixed data signals for for about a year, year and a half. And so here we are. And we've got a very interesting job market. So um, just want to walk through uh, what I think is a very interesting job market different than the last couple of years. Here's how it's interesting. Number one, the unemployment rate is still low, but we've seen the amount of jobs being added as beginning to moderate and slow down, just to give you like a real piece of data. So in March of 2022, there were two jobs available for every person who was unemployed. And so that was what you heard is the employment gap, a lot of jobs available, not enough people. That spurred the great resignation because companies were doing everything they could to attract talent. Salaries were higher. Perks were better. And so as a result, people were moving. Well, that has stopped. The great resignation has stopped. And the quit rate has dropped. Why? A lot of uncertainty about the economy due to inflation. And so people have said, all right, I'm going to stay put. I don't want to necessarily take a leap of faith. Because the data on the other side of the great resignation was the great regret where millions of people took the job, they left, and they didn't like it, and they wanted to go back, or they felt like they were stuck. So when you have reports, and we had a lot of reports in 2023 of a recession, will we have a soft landing? The Fed is raising interest rates, and people started going, what's that going to do to the economy? Because Jerome Powell, the Fed chair, was out saying, we need to see some pain in the employment market. So people started going, ooh. So here we sit with, there's been a good amount of caution. So what that means is, as we looked at the last part of 2023, we saw fewer job openings, lower wage gains, and so people are staying put. So if you look back to October of 2023, so last quarter, beginning of the last quarter of 23, openings, job openings fell to 8.7 million. That was the lowest level since March 2021. Now, let's just say this. The job market is still very, very good. However, job hiring right now is really based on the industry. We're seeing a lot of government jobs, a lot of hiring with government jobs. We're seeing a lot of hiring in the education space due to turnover. But in the white-collar world and in the technology space, we've seen things slow down. Specifically from this Business Insider article, workers in corporate jobs are finding it harder to land a gig. And the reason is, is because uh, there's a couple of factors. Uh, A, not as many jobs are being added. Companies are kind of, you know, again, as we saw fears of recession being talked about in 2023, a lot of your big-time corporations, stuff, they begin to slow down. They begin to do layoffs. They tighten up the balance sheet, right? That's their name. The name of the game is numbers, and people are numbers to them. Okay? So, having said that, uh, you're seeing less jobs posted. Now, another thing that's happening is uh, people are seeing jobs that are posted, but companies, uh, they're kind of ghost jobs. They haven't taken them off their list. They got them out there, but they're not really trying to hire so you're seeing a lot of frustration in the marketplace where people are going, well, you listed the job, I'm applying for it, and nothing's happening. So that's also something that's going on. Um, and, and yet, 
there's a lot of opportunities in nursing because, again, hospitals rolling out the red carpet for nurses, schools rolling out the red carpet for teachers. Why? Both of those industries have high rates of burnout and people are dropping out. And so you still see a lot of hires there. Okay. Um, but there has been a consistent slowdown in the labor market over the last 18 months. And so now employers aren't as aggressive in courting new hires. That means recruiters have slowed down. And so as we move into 2024, I, I just think it's important as a cautionary tale to say you can't rely on the white-hot employment market if you're looking to advance and grow by making a move to another job. That's the big takeaway. It's it's like the real estate market was about a year and a half ago. Every real estate listing in the middle of Tennessee had 30 offers, over off asking price. It was bananas. Same thing in the job market. You could raise your eyebrow and somebody go, you're hired. That's not where we are now. So why do I bring this up? I wrote a book called The Proximity Principle. It's number one bestseller. continues to just sell like crazy. Why? Because this is the key to moving up when you don't have this bananas job market that we are never going to have again. What happened in 2021 and 2022, folks, is never going to happen again. Because there's never going to be a COVID pandemic like we had. These were what we would call outliers, lightning bolts. They just are not going to happen again. So if I want to move up and I want to advance, and that is not an internal option, it's an external option, more than ever, the proximity principle, getting around people who can open up doors for me getting in places where I meet people that can open up doors for me. With the onset of artificial intelligence, this is more important than ever. AI has already disrupted the hiring industry. It has disrupted the workplace. There are, there are reports that it could replace as many as 40% of the jobs we have now. I don't think that's going to be the case, but I could be wrong. It's going to disrupt a lot of jobs. Now the economy will spit off new jobs. The takeaway is this. More than ever, if I want to advance, I want to increase my opportunity for responsibility, influence, and thus income and personal and professional growth. It will always, always be based on my ability to connect with people. Connecting with people. I don't care what the job market looks like. I could sit up here six months from now and there could be a completely different outlook. It won't matter. It doesn't matter if we go back to history and look at the Stone Age all the way to the digital age. People, connections with people that open up doors of opportunity will always be the advantage that you can adopt for yourself. And so moving forward, don't worry about the news, the headlines, worry about connecting with people, worry about making connections with people. That's how you get opportunities. That's how you get ahead. Don't forget it. Get around the right people and get in the right places and watch opportunities show up and knock on your door.
All right, welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. It's time to coach somebody up. By the way, if you'd love to uh, schedule a coaching session, just email the show, ask at KenColeman.com, and we'll get you on if we need to change your name and location and all that stuff to uh, uh, handle the more sensitive calls. We're happy to do that. So I'd love to hear from you. Let's go to Blake in Tucson, Arizona. Blake, you're on the Ken Coleman Show. What's happening? Hey, Ken. Thank you so much for taking my call. I'm very nervous, but very excited to talk to you. Well, you're doing great so far, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to take good care of you. So uh, you're doing great. Okay. Um, I'll get to it. I'm nervous that I won't maximize my time with you. But Don't worry about here it. Here it is. Go ahead. Um so just before Thanksgiving, um, I lost my job. Oh man! What happened? My well, well, I asked them that because there was really no indication that it would happen. So I asked them what why what was the reason, and they said uh, not fulfilling job roles. And I said, you know, all all of my reviews are are you know say the exact opposite. So what is that? And it turns out that we have a we had a new vice president. And he basically changed the job role, and because I hadn't, I had been doing the other job role before he changed it. Um, I didn't meet his needs anymore. So, new vice president came in, and okay, so uh, it was that wasn't relevant. It's like they gave you a bunch of BS, and you pushed in on it, and then they were like, "Well, it's the new VP, and he has a new job description, and you're not it." So he let you go. Yeah, they they didn't say that in words, but that was the feeling I got because they couldn't really give me anything concrete. Okay, yeah, so the guy just wanted to cut you. But yeah, all, all, your perfor- like. all your performance reviews were good, and you had a good relationship with your leader? Yes, my direct leader, yeah, it was great. And all of my performance reviews were so when you, solid. Was, so, so when you said they, was your, does they include your leader that we're talking about right now? Um, well, they, the, the director is the one who did that, and they didn't even tell my manager. So my manager found out after, and he was pissed, and he called me and apologized. Guys, but, oh, uh, yeah, he, okay. they, they just cut him out completely. Okay, so I know what this is. Well, this is a pretty good, pretty big company, yes? Yeah. That's exactly what this is. This is big companies treating you like you're a number on a spreadsheet instead of treating you like a human and giving you the dignity that you deserve. That's that's why they cut your manager out, and I feel a little... Now, first of all, I hate that this happened, but I do feel better about this is not a you problem because when your boss calls you up and he's pissed that you got treated this way... That's a good sign in all your reviews. So I, I, I'm glad we dug into that because this is not your fault. This is not you're not. This isn't a you problem. This sucks. It hurts. It'll sting, but you should be able to hold your head high and move on. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I've had people tell me that, and I'm starting to believe it, but I don't fully believe it. <laughs> well, that's natural. But my point is, you need to start to believe it. I mean, you're talking to yeah. me, and I'm just looking at this objectively. And this was a cost-cutting measure by a new sheriff in town. It happens. By the way, same thing happened to me. I had the exact same situation, uh, but it was a part of a a, a, a a company. was The company I worked for was sold, and I was in a VP mm. position, and I was let go the same day we found out about it. And it wasn't, it, you know, it was just like, hey, we already have leaders. We don't think we need you. I was like, I'd like to kind of try to convince you that you need me. I wasn't <laughs> given the option. I get it. It makes you feel devalued. Yeah. So, so I guess my question now is, there's like a million different directions that I could go. I could, do I try to get a job in my same field that I don't necessarily love? No. Do I do I pursue something that I used to do that I know that I'm good at? Do I take follow my 
quote unquote passion that doesn't pay nearly as well as what I was making. Like, all right, let's break that down. So, what is that? What's this passion that doesn't pay as well as what you were making? Well, I, I love working with kids. So, like, I coach my son's soccer team, and I teach my the kids' class at church, um, and I love to do that and pour into kids. Um, but I've looked into you know, any kind of like social work or jobs at schools or things like that. And it's just, it's nowhere near where I was making. All right, great. So let's, let's, let's handle this. So you need to continue to work with kids and you gave me two examples. And so that would be what I would call ministry or hobby. And that just fills your heart up so that no matter what the work is, if you're spending 10 hours, 15 hours a week, pouring into young people, whether it be coaching a team because I'm going to tell you something. I told my wife this last week, and, and I'm going to encourage you with this. My kids are all teenagers now, so I can't coach them anymore. The greatest joy of my life as a dad was coaching my kids in a sport. Hey, Alex, I'm going to tell you this. I told my wife this. When my kids are gone, empty nesters, you will see Ken Coleman in Williamson County coaching some youth sports team. Hmm. You know why, Blake? Because I love coaching people, and I love coaching kids. And it won't be for money. It'll be for my heart. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah. Why would, that's why that's would, kind so, of what I was thinking. So do that. <laughs> do that. So, so that's going to yeah. be good for your heart. And boy, oh boy, do you need your heart to be healed right now. So can I tell you something? If you aren't coaching your kids... Um, uh, right now in this season of life, I, I might find a way to make sure you're involved in one of those two areas that you mentioned like pretty quickly because I think it'll help your yeah. healing. So let's table that and go, I don't have to worry about income for that. That's all about impact. That's going to help my heart. Now, let's go back to what you did before that you were really good at doing. You mentioned that. What was that? Um, I was uh, working in a manufacturing plant as a engineering technician. Does that pay so well? Kind of a bridge. Yeah, that pays pretty well. Not not as much as my the role that I just left. What was that? Role? Um, but I enjoyed it a lot. That was in product strategy. So that was a lot of market research and. But you don't um, enjoy it. voice of customer. Yeah, it just it wasn't doing it. So for what me. did you love most about that other role? The 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 engineering piece. What did you love about it? Or like? Um, yeah, I like that I could I could look at a process. Like a like a preventative maintenance process, and it takes the average person twelve hours to do it. And I could just watch them and and say, "Hey, let's let's reorder this, or let's re- do a different technique here, and cut this process down to eight hours." Like that was, and and then being able to see people do that and just train people and see people succeed in doing that, because um, that that helps them out a ton if they can. Spend less time doing that and yeah. more time doing something more I, meaningful. I, or something uh, man, like that. I think we're locking in on something here, Blake. Because because I'm hearing you talk about that, and I don't know if anybody else is paying attention or not. But your energy changed. The your voice energy changed. You 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 started talking faster. You had you had more enthusiasm talking about that previous job. And I think we look at yeah. that and we go, "There's some clues there." I'm not saying you got to go back and do that exact thing. But I'm more interested in what you enjoyed about it because we you said you were good at it, but I asked you what you loved. I dropped it down to like, and man, you just started opening up. Did you feel it? 
Yeah, yeah. I I, <laughs> I I had a similar conversation with a buddy at church last weekend, and and he's like, "Wow, you, that, that seems like that's the one you should do." Yeah, but I, I, I yeah. don't know. Just Let I was me... in a different state, so I'd have to find a, a different way to do that. That's here. it. Can, but I I've got two words that I don't want to label you with, but I want to see what you think. I think I heard two key words that describe what you're good at and what you enjoy doing. Analyzing and uh, I'm going to do three words. Analyzing, uh, implementing, and guiding. Are those words right or wrong? I don't mind if they're wrong, and I mean that. I'm trying to get your brain somewhere. I heard three words there in what you described. Is that true? Yeah, I, I think the the one that rings the most true is the guiding at the I end. I think so, too. I think so, too. You get the most joy because your voice changed when you started talking about, all right, I sit around and I watch. That's what I'm calling analyzing. You're like, it takes 12 hours for most people. I look at it and I go, oh, this is what's wrong. This is what needs to change. Here's why it needs to change. Here's what it's going to do. And your brain gets there, but what you get the most joy out of is explaining, instructing other people to do it and sitting back and watching the light bulbs go off. Yeah, yeah. And I get to do that with the kids on the soccer field, too. Exactly. There's the clue. I think you're going to use your talents of analyzing and processes and stuff like that and efficiencies. And I, I think that's your talent zone. And I think the passion zone is taking what you've learned, what you see, and you you show everybody else how to do it. And when they get it, it's like you teach a kid how to hit a baseball or teach a kid how to shoot a basketball or catch a football, whatever it is. I think that's yeah. the juice for you. So, so if that's the direction, do I right now in – basically I have a, a deficit in my finances, my – my income is not quite as much as my outgo. Got it. Um, do I pour all my attention into that, or do I get a part-time job and kind of, to kind of buy time to to get into that? Or you do both. Like what you do both. How urgent do I have to be? You need to be very urgent to get a job or two jobs right now. So, for instance, if you can get it with two part-time jobs to equal what you were making, and that just allows you peace. So that at night, you're not stressing over money. At night, you're taking what we just talked about, and you're going, I know my job description. I'm going to find it in Tucson, Arizona. Well, right now, we got to stop the bleeding financially. So let's say you can go get a job right now with those engineering skills or some of the stuff, and it's not the job, but it's a job. And then if you got to leave four months, six months from now, that's fine. You're moving up the ladder. Nobody's going to judge you for that. Go do what you need to do to bring in income right now. That stops the bleeding financially which relaxes the brain. And when we relax the brain, the brain can properly search and we can find and connect and we'll find something else. So I'm okay with a bridge job right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Bridge the gap. Yeah. I just get nervous with that because in the past I've, I've kind of intended to do that. And then I I ended up delivering pizzas for like a year because I, I got comfortable and, and like not as well that's the issue you need to yeah well that's the problem you need to be urgent for both urgent to take care of the bills right now and urgent to get back in my sweet spot okay urgency urgency never again are you going to be stuck delivering pizzas for a year i want you to remember what it felt like what did it feel like i do 
Well, then remember that and go, what am I doing? There's nothing wrong with delivering pizzas, but delivering pizzas isn't a isn't your sweet spot. It was a stopgap. Nothing wrong with that. There's honor in that. But doing it for a year, that's because you got scared and you would rather be miserable delivering pizzas than be uncomfortable stepping out. Yeah. That's, that's what's going on. I don't want to be miserable. I like uncomfortable. I don't like miserable. It sucks. Make the choice. This is the Ken Coleman Show. Press on. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.